Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Tuesday the 12th of December, I'm Tim Spears and on today's show... It's win or bust for United against Bayern as McTominay insists the team are behind Ten Hag. We just want to do well for the football club and that's as simple as that. Arsenal ready the kids for PSV? If he plays he would overtake Jack Wilshere as the youngest player to represent Arsenal in Europe. Plus we reflect on Barcelona's La Liga woes. You could see that Barcelona is not a really balanced and world team. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. Manchester United host Bayern Munich at Old Trafford tonight knowing they must win and then rely on a result elsewhere to remain in the Champions League. It's been a dreadful European campaign for Eric Ten Hag's side so far. They've won just one game in five, lost games to Copenhagen and Galatasaray and have conceded 14 goals in five matches. For context, Royal Antwerp with 15 have conceded the most in the competition. United lost to Bayern and Harry Kane earlier in the group stage, but with the German side already through as group winners and having been walloped 5-1 at Eintracht Frankfurt at the weekend, United will hope and pray they're playing them at a good time. Manchester United writer Carl Anker joins us now. Carl, what do United need to advance tonight? Everything starts with Manchester United's result against Bayern Munich at Old Trafford. Manchester United have to win. It's win or bust to remain in Europe in basically any capacity. If Manchester United win and the game between Copenhagen and Galatasaray ends in a draw, Manchester United finish second in Champions League Group A and go to the round of 16. If Manchester United beat Bayern Munich and there is a decisive result either way in the game between FC Copenhagen and Galatasaray, Manchester United will most likely finish in third place and go into the Europa League behind whoever is the decisive winner between FC Copenhagen and Galatasaray. There is another permutation where Manchester United lose. They are out of Europe altogether. And I think there is a third secret hidden door permutation that Ian Irvin tried to outline on Talk of Devils, but he got partway through it and I could see his head was hurting. And it was one of those things where it was so rare and required a certain thing on goal difference between Copenhagen and Manchester United that it's not worth thinking about. If you're a Manchester United fan listening to this podcast, you need your team to win. You also need to to give some prayers to the footballing gods and whatever other major deity you believe in. So Copenhagen and 
Galatasaray ended in a draw. So yeah, Bayern lost 5-1 at the weekend. Are United playing them at a good time here, do we think? <laughs> There's a fantastic piece by Rafa Honigstein that went out on Monday uh, about how this result against Frankfurt was very much an aberration, very much a blip. And historically, when Bayern lose in such a chastening manner, they tend to respond by uh, administering some street justice on the team afterwards. So, in fact, this is probably the worst time to be playing Bayern Munich because they're wounded and they're wanting to, to make a point of things. Bayern Munich, of course, have already qualified from Group A. They've got 13 points. They they can afford to rest players. However, the way the weekend's result went, you think Thomas Tuchel is less likely to rest players. We know Jamal Musiala was at the press conference for Bayern Munich today and he's likely to have a big role in Tuesday's game. And finally, Carl, can you bring us the team news for tonight's match? Who's going to play? Victor Lindelof is towards a 50-50 state, as he's carrying a knock. And Laurie Whitwell, who attended open training, or at least the first 15 minutes of open training on Monday, noticed that Marcus Rashford and Antti Martial were not present. Both of those men are said to be suffering from illness. Uh, Rashford was ill on Friday and he missed training and was only available for the bench before United's defeat against Bournemouth. Martial played in that game. It wasn't a great performance, I must say. And he's unlikely to be the starting option. This is very much Rasmus Hoyland's competition. He's got five goals in the Champions League group stages. There's a point where he was leading the Golden Boot race. Hopefully, if you're a Manchester United fan listening to this, he can add to that tally and Manchester United can find a way to get out of this group and enter the Champions League knockout rounds. Meanwhile, United midfielder Scott McTominay admitted at Monday's pre-match press conference that the dressing room has been a bit toxic in the past. Not a surprise to hear that, but he insisted that any accusations the players are not working hard for their current manager, Ten Hag, are simply not true. I feel like now we're at a stage where we've got big characters in the dressing room where it's not just a case of like the, some of the other managers where it's been a little bit toxic at times. The, the boys are firmly behind the manager and that's that's the be-all and end-all. I've said that in many other interviews and that's the, the way it will remain to stay. We've got amazing coaching staff as well, so yeah, people can get lost in translation and get carried away with what the players think and what they say behind closed doors. We just want to do well for the football club and that's as simple as that. Arsenal are already through as Group B winners and can put their feet up tonight away at PSV. However, there are some important fringe players and a few young stars of the future who will be keen to impress against the runaway Eredivisie leaders who are also guaranteed a last 16 spot. So, should we expect some rotation from Mikel Arteta tonight? Here's Jordan Campbell with the details. Well, with this being a, a dead rubber uh, in the final Champions League game, I think a lot of people expected Arteta to leave the bulk of his senior squad behind in London, give them a rest with a hectic schedule coming up. But that's not been the case. Bukayo Saka, who was carrying a bit of a foot injury, he's travelled. Um, the only player who's who's been left behind is Gabriel Martinelli, who's had an illness the last day or so. But Arteta's chosen to bring three youngsters with him. Ethan Wanneri, who already became the youngest ever top flight player in England last year when he made his debut in September. But he's not appeared since, so it's a big opportunity for him. If he plays, he would overtake Jack Wilshire as the, the youngest player to represent Arsenal in Europe. I think he would beat him by 63 days, which is quite incredible considering Wilshire was only 16 at the time too. So I think that's an exciting one for Arsenal fans to, to watch. The only other two youngsters that he's brought with him to PSV is Lino Sosa and uh, Ruel Walters which he explained was they looked at the necessities in the squad and a couple of fullback injuries that helped bolster it so I would expect some rotation I would expect you know the likes of Ramsdale Kiwior Jorginho El Nene Enketia Trossard all of those players probably are likely to start I would say 
Brighton and Liverpool coming up. There's no there's no rest for Arsenal, so I think this is a, a perfect moment to, to rotate the squad and give some of the big players a, a, a night off. This is the final week of the last ever Champions League group stage as we know it, with the format changing for next season's competition. A moment of silence, please. There are already 12 teams through to the last 16. Other matches that do have a little something riding on them tonight include Inter v Real Sociedad in a winner-takes-all, well, winner-takes-top spot match in Group D. The teams are level on points and will be keen to be seeded in Monday's draw and avoid the likes of Manchester City, Real Madrid and, yes, Arsenal. The Spanish side have the upper hand thanks to a better goal difference, so a draw would be good enough for them. And stuttering Napoli need to confirm their spot in the knockouts. They're three points ahead of Braga and host the Portuguese side in Naples, knowing that a draw will do. It could be a nervy night, though. The Italians need to avoid a two-goal defeat here to guarantee their progress. Those matches are all available to watch on TNT Sport in the UK and Paramount Plus in the US, with that Group D fight for top spot between Inter and Real Sociedad on CBS. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. One team that are not in Champions League action until Wednesday, but are through to the knockouts, are Barcelona. However, they're not having the best of times on the pitch in Spain. On Sunday night, they lost at home 4-2 to league leaders Girona. Miguel Gutiérrez la deja para Sabio. Sabio va a centrar. Prestuani! That result left the Catalan giant seven points off the top and in fourth place. And now there's increasing anxiety around the team's un-Barcelona-like performances. Paul Balus is our Barcelona writer and he can tell us more about what's going wrong for them and what's going right for surprise leaders Girona. You were there on Sunday night, Paul. Incredible match, Barcelona 2, Girona 4. Can you talk us through it? Was this a surprise result? It was a surprise, but as you were saying, not that much of a surprise because Girona were in a position to get on top of La Liga. And if you had been following them and if you had especially been following Barcelona, you could see that something of that like could happen. At some point, uh, Barcelona won La Liga last season, especially thanks to an amazing defensive line. They conceded like really few goals. They were really solid at the back and they've just lost it. They've conceded now the same amount of goals that they did last season after 37 games, which is a mad stat. Girona is a team that in the offensive production department is amazing. Like the amount of bright players they have up front is just refreshing to see. And it's something that at the same time, like put Barcelona in the mirror, in my opinion. I think that a lot of Barcelona fans looked at Girona, a club that back in the days was like a friendly neighbor. And now they are like tough rivals to face and playing in a way that most Barcelona fans would like their team to to be performing, basically. So yeah, it, it was a tough experience for Barcelona to go through, of course. And they're now, of course, seven points off the top of the table after 16 matches. You mentioned the defence. What are the main things they need to fix? Are there short-term solutions here to their problems? It's it's easy to see like short-term fixings in, in here, basically because Barcelona cannot like operate as a normal club in the transfer window. We know that Victor Roque is coming in, which actually can be a good help because one of the main problems that Barcelona has been having is like up front. Lewandowski had scored one of the two goals, but still like he missed the type of chances that you don't expect him to miss. They didn't have like the worst performance of the season. It was like off the ball and when Girona like started playing from the back where you could see that Barcelona is not a really balanced and worked team. Just as Girona is basically because they have a plan on and off the ball and Barcelona didn't have one. There's still a lot a lot of work to do for Xavi and the context and the entorno as we call it here all the all the things that we have like surrounding the club like media like executives people talking about 
everything is not helping Xavi, but he will have to sort it sooner than later. I would imagine Girona are, are the talk of Spanish football. I mean, you know, they've never finished higher than 10th before. People must be constantly asking, can they do it? Can they win the title? I guess you could maybe only compare it to Leicester in the Premier League 2015-16. We all know what happened there. Can they do it? I drove to Girona and I was like heading to an interview with the club president, with, with Delficelli. And just like before starting recording, I just asked him like, how many times have you heard the word Leicester over the last weeks? And he was like, mate, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm sick of it, but I mean, it's just relentless. Like everyone is, is asking us if we're the Spanish Leicester. I think that they have the right and they have to be considered right now as title contenders. Of course, the margin that they have is like a slimmer because like an injury for them has a tougher impact than it can have for Barcelona, for Real Madrid, for Atletico de Madrid. So let's see how the season develops and how everything unfolds. But right now, I don't think that anyone in Spanish football doesn't see them as like serious candidates. And finally, remember that potential match between Lionel Messi's Inter-Miami and Cristiano Ronaldo's Al Nasser, the one which Inter-Miami strenuously denied was happening? After you make a statement like that, it would be pretty weird for them to just about face a few weeks later and be like, never mind, we're good, we're still playing this game. You'll never guess what's happened. Inter-Miami are going to Saudi Arabia to play Al Nasser and Hilal in a pre-season tour in January and February. Brace yourself for all those last dance memes. And in some rather more unsettling news, matches in Turkey have been suspended after a referee was punched to the ground by a club president following a top-flight game on Monday. Referee Halil Umut Mela was struck by Anker Giroud's president Farouk Koja on the pitch after his team conceded a late equaliser in a one-all draw with Rizespor. The club in question have released a statement saying they are saddened by the incident, adding that they apologise to the Turkish football public and the entire sports community. Just before you go, I've got an offer you can't refuse, especially if you need a Christmas gift for someone like, say, your godfather. Right now, you can gift a year-long athletic subscription for the incredible price of £20 or dollars for the whole 12 months. That's over 70% off. Head to theathletic.com slash briefing for more info. And that's all for today's briefing. Thank you for listening. I've been Tim Spears. Your producers were Abby Patterson and Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Michael Bailey will be with you tomorrow to catch you up on everything that happens in the Champions League. In the meantime, have a great day. The Athletic.